The following was recorded live as part of homeschool.com's 2005 homeschooling teleconference. To order additional recordings, visit www.homeschool.com or send an email to orders at homeschool.com. Well, so callers, stay seated. <laughs> We're going to go right into our, our last of 32 fabulous guests for homeschool.com's 2005 teleconference. Our next guest is Marilyn Mosley. Uh, Marilyn is the director of Laurel Springs School. She has more than 25 years experience in the field of alternate education, alternative education, helping to develop one of America's first homeschooling programs in the late 1970s. Uh, in her capacity as an educator and visionary, Ms. Mosley co-founded Laurel Springs School. Uh, many of you probably read uh, homeschool.com's recent newsletter, uh, Laurel Springs School is the uh, school that many of the sports stars and um, uh, movie and TV children are using uh, because it frees them up to pursue their career and kind of gets their studies out of the way. Um, so, um, uh, Marilyn, I know you've also been uh, featured on the uh, Today Show and MSN.com, and you and your late husband created the first online curriculum in the U.S. That's right. That's right, Rebecca. And of course, you've also homeschooled your own three children, and they went on to complete college degrees as well as to achieve success in their chosen fields. Absolutely. They're all in their 30s at this point with young children of their own. Well, of course, today, really, this is the perfect uh, cap to our um, two weeks because we're talking about um, how to help our children discover their life purpose, and that's what we really want for them, isn't it? It absolutely is. I think that this is a topic of such importance because... Children, adults, we all have a purpose for being here, a reason for being on the earth, a life purpose. And that can so easily be um, occluded from our view by just the day-to-day busyness of the world and the kinds of focuses that, have, that are becoming prevalent. And it's so important to let children know that they are important and they have a reason for being here. And which is kind of gets you away from all the busyness, doesn't it? It really does, and it allows it allows a child to feel that they are important and that they are here for more than just acquiring goods and services or even just information. That they are here to do work that's important that can help others. Well, what does it mean for a child to have a dream or a purpose in his or her life? What I, what I like to think about with children is to take it to the most simplest level, and that is that every single child has ideas of what they want to be when they grow up. They might tell you they want to be an astronaut, or my daughter wanted to be a movie director, or my son wanted to be a fireman, and that is the sort of the seeds of their life purpose, and usually... Beneath the surface is a desire to do, to do good work and to be helpful, to make a difference in the world. And so it's really important to acknowledge those early dreams, which I feel are the seeds of a life purpose. Now, of course, you've homeschooled your three children. How can homeschooling support children having a life purpose? Well, it's wonderful because, first of all, I, one of the things that homeschooling does is it gives you time to work with your children. I can remember when my children were home that we spent every morning working together on their various projects. And time is one of the most precious commodities that we have with our children. It's something that most children going to school don't have, and they don't have the time to think clearly. 
It also gives them the time to develop their self-esteem and to also develop their talents and gifts in a loving and a protected environment. And then uh, what are some of the tools that can help a child and parent find their purpose? One of the most important tools, and I think it's, it's something that's true for life in general, is what I call the power of appreciation. When, when a child feels appreciated, when an adult feels appreciated, when any of us feel appreciated, we feel free to become our best self. And when your child is home, that tool can be readily um, accessed and also used and developed. I love seeing it developed. Mary Ember's learning style profile is one that we use at Laurel Springs to help find those hidden interests and talents that are prevalent in every child. So first is the power of appreciation. The second is to not thwart a child's idea. I remember when my daughter told me that she was going to be a movie director, I could have said to her, that's completely impossible. How are you going to do that? Well, she knew by the age of 14 that she was going to be a director, and by the time she was 18, she was already a successful director out in the world. And she could never have done this if we hadn't homeschooled and if she hadn't felt that her dream was being supported. The other thing that's very important is to give children time to daydream. One of the things that's happened in the world is children are very busy. Their time is being scheduled hour by hour. When children are homeschooled, we can give them that time to daydream, time to play, which is so important to developing their dream. And another important key is to have a lack of peer pressure. There was a study done by Antioch College that showed that homeschooled children tended to um, miss the second level of development in high school, and that was the need for peer pressure. They went from first homeschooling to having a reason or a mission or a purpose, and what they didn't need was their peers to acknowledge and approve of what they are doing. So I think that that's so key. So just to go over that, the power of appreciation, making sure ideas aren't thwarted, allowing a child time to dream, and also monitoring the kind of pressure that comes from peer interaction. So why should we help children develop their purpose? Um, you know, why not wait? You know, that's a, it's something that I've really thought about, and I feel really strongly about it, and, and it's something that I've really promoted at Laurel Springs, and that is... If we if we wait to dream, what we're doing is we're establishing a habit that says that there's another time, a better time to really become ourselves. And when we do that, we develop the ability to put off becoming our true self. And so what happens is we don't do it when we're a child, and then when we're a teenager, we're busy being a teenager, and then when we're an adult, we're often busy earning a living. And what happens is is that ability to develop a life purpose or to have a dream starts to fade. And so what I think is important is that children develop this muscle so that from the very beginning they develop the faith or the confidence in themselves so that they know that they are capable of having a dream and then pursuing their dream. Well, how do we develop that muscle, that dream muscle, if you will? Can you give us an example of how uh, we can incorporate this process into our homeschooling environment? Absolutely. One of the keys to developing this muscle is, there, well, there are two or three, but I'd like to give you one that's worked really well, and, and that is the, the importance of journaling. 
Children they found who journal, who work, who have a daily diary in which they jot down their ideas and are allowed to come up with their own inventions if they're an inventive person or their own creations if they're a creative person, tend to be more in touch with their own dreams and their own life purposes. Also, another really important thing is to develop a child's learning style. So if you develop their gifts or their talents, if a child has an innate desire to dance or truly enjoys taking things apart or putting them back together, if a child enjoys um, diagramming or wants to go out and become a fireman and do early apprenticeship, all of those things become tools that really help your child to learn how to dream and gives them the chance to develop those. Another thing is to help them to develop their um their talents and their interests. For example, if they have a desire to learn more, to work with them and to follow that interest in flow and to not always direct the learning that they're doing. Those are some of the keys that have helped. And I would say that developing interests and talents, journaling, and then really working on your child to develop those specific gifts that they have that are important to them. Sounds like uh, just paying attention uh, is... Uh so helpful, so critical. Paying attention is so key, as is as open listening, so that when your child tells you what they're going to do, even if it sounds outrageous. I remember one little boy who told me he was going to make a ship that could fly. That sounded so, so outrageous. That child is now at MIT working on his degree. <laughs> now, what happens if you have a child who uh, you've noticed has a big interest in music? And uh, you support her on that. You take her to music lessons, and she's doing so well. And then suddenly she doesn't want to do it anymore. Well, I think that that's a perfect time to stop. Really? And to give that child a break. Absolutely. I wouldn't say to let go of it forever. But what I've noticed with children, as with parents, as with adults, is that we go through cycles of interest. And it's it's sort of like an onion peel. And we we peel the onion and go to deeper and deeper levels. But like schoolwork, we need time to consciously work with our interests and talents, and then we need time to lay it aside. What I have found works really well is to decide with your child how long you're going to take a break, how long is your break going to be for, so that you're not giving it up forever, but uh-huh. so that that child knows they have a choice. You know, we have a lot of children we work with who are gymnasts or ice skaters, and I've seen over the years that it's really essential for those children to, to work with, with a cycle of relaxation and unfoldment and then times when they're really focused. And if there isn't a differentiation for that child, sometimes what happens is they get burned out, similar to the way a child in a public school gets burned out doing a huge amount of work every day in a certain way. So then the music becomes a have-to instead of a want-to. Yes, and if they're restricted in the ways in which they access their interest in music so that they don't have a choice, then instead of it becoming something they want to do and that they love doing, it becomes something they're forced to do. You would say, it sounds like you want to take a break from your piano lessons. How long of a break would you like to take? Right. Let's take a two-week break, and then let's come back and try it again. Instead of saying, you know, you have to pa- you have to practice your piano every day, or you must do this forever, 
I found that most children, if it's really a great love, they will come back to it. And that is not to say that there aren't times when we do need to create structure and stick with structure, but there's times for opening and times for closing or relaxing. And I suppose, too, really life is a buffet. You know, when they're children, they're, they get a chance to experience lots of different items on the buffet. But, of course, it's so important to have that, that closure, that completion, so that the child doesn't feel like they're just starting and stopping things. So I know with my own daughter, she wanted to try violin. And then, you know, how do you know if you're going to like it or not until you take the lessons? And she discovered that she didn't really like it as much. So then we we came up with the completion. Okay, why don't you finish it then off this semester, finish it off this spring? And then we had a lovely little recital where she could show off what she knew. And the teacher was a delight and even gave her a certificate for completing, you know, that semester of violin, which I thought was really nice. I think that that's a beautiful way to create closure. uh, One of the stories that I like to share is that when my children were homeschooling, we would meet twice a year, one in at Christmas time and one in the summer, and we would decide what we were going to do for the next six months, and we never made a contract for longer than that period because I wanted to make sure that they felt successful and they could choose to stay home and homeschool or they could choose to go back to school at that point. Usually they homeschooled. And on a few occasions when they did go to school, they usually came home after Christmas, but they always had a sense of completion. In fact, let's talk some more about that, Marilyn. I I feel instinctively that you'd be the perfect person to ask this. So let's say you you homeschool and you love homeschooling and you really believe in your heart that this is the the best path, but uh, especially girls, you know, they want to have the school experience. So if your child comes up to you and says they want to go to school, what is the um, what, how, what would you suggest how we respond? Well, that's that, that has been a common theme, especially with children who have homeschooled most of their life. And usually it occurs in the 7th, 8th, or ninth grade that they need to test their own boundaries. I think it's personally, I have always given my children and recommended to parents that I work with that they give their child the chance to try Truthfully, in most cases, after trying, they come home or they come back because the quality of education is so different at school. I remember my daughter decided to try high school after she'd been homeschooled through um, the eighth grade, and she was there for three weeks. And after three weeks, she came home and said, Mom, that was a total waste of my time. I really am never going to become a director if I continue doing this. I know we said I would wait until December, but I can tell you this isn't going to work. And so I do feel it's important to give children an opportunity to try learning in numerous environments so that they learn that that learning takes place in numerous ways in numerous forms. So you would probably say, okay, let's try it for a semester and then uh, explore it after that. Yes, and... And I uh, and in some cases where it's really excruciating, they've been there for two or three days, and they yes. just know that it's really detri- you know it's detrimental to their well-being, and you and you don't want to push them beyond what is really good for them. Then I would say take them, let you know, let them come home, and then they've had the experience. They feel like they got out there, and they now know what it feels like to be in school because it's usually the excitement, the in- initial first days of going and what am I going to wear and and in younger grades what is my lunchbox going to look like that's the fun it's not the day-to-day going to school and what if they like it what how do we wrap ourselves around that well then I would what, what I always found what I've always recommended is that the parents stay intimately involved with their child and teacher through the learning process my middle child who um, is actually an Air Force captain 
had a pro- a propensity for um, for loving public school. He loved the structure. It really did fit his needs, and so he went. He, he eventually went back to school. And what I discovered was the key was continuing that one-on-one relationship, whether a child is in school or home. It's really the parent who serves as the context for a child, provides the safety and security. And as long as that parent is really deeply involved, it makes a huge, huge difference. You're dialoguing with them, then you're saying, how is it going? Do you feel that this is helping you to be your best, to use your talents to the fullest, to help you achieve and fulfill your dreams? Yes. Are you losing yourself? I used to say that to my one of my children. I used to say to them, you don't look like you know who you are. You're, You're not being yourself. Does this really work for you? And then we would talk about that so that they could stand back and look at themselves. And even my son, who did go back to school in his junior year, he said to me, I'm very burned out with public school. He came home for a year and then finished high school back at the public school. And I think it's wonderful for children to know they have choices and that they're part of the process. How do you homeschool if you have um, some children in school and some that are being homeschooled? Well, you know, it, does it divide the family? Does it hurt the family? It, I think that it provides some opportunities for families. For one thing, what it does is it allows a mother to spend a lot of one-on-one time with one or two of her children. When you have, and, and it is, it is really a wonderful thing to have that kind of bonding time, and it's something as, as you know that lasts a lifetime. And so it is. It is, I think, very workable to have a child in school if it's right for that child and still be working at home. Now, that's my own personal opinion. I know there are other parents who would not necessarily feel comfortable, but I found that it gave us that individual time and attention. Now, I remember speaking with a homeschooled mom, uh, three children, and the daughter went to school, and then the daughter started feeling like the mother didn't love her as much because she wasn't spending as much time with her as she was with the other two children. Right, and that does become a concern of quality of time, and then it becomes a responsibility to make sure that you spend that time with your child in different ways, whether it's helping them with their homework or doing things together or spending alone time in the evening. And I do think it's a balancing act. I mean, and, and it is one of the challenges of sending a child to school is that when a child is, school, is in school, you lose the opportunity to spend time together, and in a sense, to fulfill, to help to fulfill that life purpose on a day-to-day intimate level. But I think that that does need to be balanced with a child's desire to try to reach beyond their boundaries because self-confidence in their, in their own ability is so key for a child. So we're talking about helping our child identify their dreams. Do you, do you ask them openly? You know, you know, what is your dream? What do you see yourself uh, doing, you know, five years from now, one year from now? What I have found is that it doesn't usually work as well to try and force a child to conceptualize a year or two down the road unless they're actually a competitive athlete or actress or actor who has a very clear, strong focus. And there are those children who know exactly what they want to do when they're age 10. Otherwise, they just kind of feel on the spot and they don't, they're not able to articulate what's in their heart. 
Yes, and or, or what you're doing is you're doing it together. You're you're working together as a team, and you can talk about that every person has a purpose in life. I've always thought that that was important to tell a child. It lights up their eyes. I mean, it makes them so excited to realize that they're special. Every child is unique and that they're here to do something that's very unique and special to them and that you as their parent have confidence in their ability. And this is so wonderful for children who might be struggling, um, children who are coming into homeschooling who might have been in a public school environment where they didn't feel special or loved or appreciated or had a hard year. It's so important to come back to knowing that there is something about me that makes me unique. And I and suppose this helps with sibling rivalry as well because you explain to children that everyone has their unique gifts and sometimes they're the same. You know, No need to compete with your brothers and sisters because some things you're going to do together and some things you're going to do separately. Right, and it comes right back to the power of appreciation and also understanding your child's learning style and that each style is valid and important and beautiful and unique. And I remember my um, middle child who happens to be an intellect and he is the one who went back to public school. He used to say to me sometimes, I feel like the black sheep of the family because um, my brother and sister are so creative. And we would all say to him, but you're so special in your own unique way. Look at what you can do. And being able to appreciate those unique qualities and finding them in children. Sometimes it can be something so simple. It can be the way they think about the world, how they answer a question, how they organize a grocery list, how they do the laundry, how they talk to their brother or sister. Oh, Marilyn, are you there? I am. What, we had a little interference on the line there. Yeah. And I loved what you were saying, too, because it's true, because then we don't expect our children to be like everybody else's children or what, or even like ourselves, or what we want them to be. Instead, we're appreciating them and valuing them for who they are, whether they're the, the outgoing star or an introverted deep thinker. We're really uh, identifying what their strengths are and just helping them to be their best. Absolutely. I always like to say that every child is a living human treasure, and that means that each facet is as beautiful as the other, just completely, they might be completely different. And I love the idea that children have innate interests and talents. One child might be interested in animals. Another might be interested in beautifying their home. Things that you will see as adults that develop into professions are there in children in the early stages and just need to be nurtured. And one of the great things that homeschooling does is it protects children. I know that a lot of times when new families are coming to homeschooling, there's often the question, well, if I protect my child, am I not preparing them for the world? And the analogy that I like to use is that children are like little plants and trees, and if you keep pulling them out of the soil, they won't grow. But if you protect them and give them that space and nurturing, then you're giving them the chance to develop those dreams and those talents and that ability. Yesterday we um, spoke with John Asraf. It's a fascinating interview, and he talked about the importance of visualization. He's, he's talking about uh, kind of brain mapping and the reticular activation system, all these big words that we didn't understand at the beginning of the interview, but we had a good feel for by the end of the hour. And he was talking about how important it is to, um, like, like athletes, how they visualize themselves making the shot. Exactly. You know? So uh, how can we help our children visualize their, their uh, path in life and their goals coming true? 
one of the best ways that you can do that is by um, actually, one of the things that I would recommend is doing a lot of field trips and actually enacting various opportunities. Going with your children to see ice skaters or going to a farm and working on the farm, visiting another city or town, learning about people, meeting with people, reading about people, and creating stories about children who are doing things in the world, learning about them, interviewing them, and participating in activities such as volunteering. Anything that will give a child a chance to activate a part of their brain that isn't normally activated in the normal circuit of their life helps to expand their thought processes and their premises. Now, when your daughter announced that she wanted to uh, direct, she wanted to direct movies? Yes. So how did you support her in her dreams? I said, I honestly, Rebecca, I thought, oh, this, I can't imagine how she's going to do this. This is, you know, the chance, the percentages are so low. But what I said to her is, that sounds like a really, really great idea. How can I support you? And she said, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to find a company to let me make a um, commercial for them. And she actually did. She went to um, Naked Juice, and she told them she wanted to make a commercial. They gave her all the free juice she wanted, and she shot a commercial. And she got her, all her talent together. She got got the various um, um, stores to give her the film she needed. She was able to get the cameras, and she started creating her own um, her own um, films. Now, this gave her a sense of confidence. And she did a very cute, sweet first job. From there, I talked to her about apprenticing so she could develop clearly defined skills. And so she went to all the different movie studios and offered her services. And they love, you know, you know, apprenticing is one of the best things you can do with a, as a homeschooler. And people who have great talent love to support homeschooled children and to to share with their their wisdom. And so she apprenticed through. A number of the large studios, and through apprenticing, she was actually given opportunities, and each opportunity led to the next opportunity, until she was actually finally um, signed by signed by one of the agents and was making her own her own um, TV commercials and music videos. And it was a process for sure. I mean, a process that took about four to five years, but she had nothing to stop her. There were no impediments in the way. No one who was saying, you cannot do this. I mean, there was no objections. There was absolute faith. It, this was her interest and her talent. And and it definitely was an example of letting a child step out into their own area and to create it. And I'm so thankful that I at no time said to her, you know, you can't do this, or are you kidding? Do you know how hard it is to make this happen? So if your child, if you notice that they had an interest in or a gift in science or math, then you might rack your brain and say, you know, what kind of apprentices can they do in this area? Are you thinking real-world applications and maybe you set them up to work with an inventor or with someone in the lab, kind of exposing them to all this? Because maybe not everyone's able to articulate or know exactly that they want to be a director. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's all kinds of ways of finding. First of all, mentors are available all over the world, and they come in all forms. And many, 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 many people, whether you know them closely or not, have, will have an interest in mentoring a child if asked. 
Um, I've spoken to people all over the country and just asked them to step in and work with a child. And it's phenomenal the amount of people who will do that because it fulfills their life purpose. Another thing is that I've um, directed families towards various organizations, organizations even as large as NASA and um, some of the um, larger museums and universities have programs that children can access and participate in and become an active in. They have graduate students who are interested in mentoring, and oftentimes you can find areas of um, different institutions that will allow a child to apprentice even from a distance. And, of course, the advantage of homeschooling is that you're available during the day when everyone else is at school, and you just have generally more time available. Absolutely, and there's nothing more beautiful than a child who is who desires to learn something and there's nothing greater than for an adult to be able to impart that information to that child. I have found that presenting the need to professionals all around the world has evoked in them a tremendous desire to help. Everything from having children apprentice um, at a um, at a chimpanzee orphan farm in Zimbabwe to helping at a uh, whale museum in Iceland the resources in the world are phenomenal in terms of people desiring and wanting to help if given the opportunity. And, and of course, that, now your children had an advantage too, Marilyn, and that they they saw you with your dream. They saw you on your knowing your purpose and on your path. Yes. So, so what do you do then? What about for the mother or father who who don't really know what their purpose is yet? How that, can how can they help their children? You know, that's such a great question because it's so it's so intrinsically important. Well, the nice thing about homeschooling is is that the parent is learning along with the child. So we're students together. So as your child is developing their dream, uh, a parent has a chance to reconnect with their own dream inside themselves. And as you're encouraging your child you as a parent can be encouraging yourself, whether it's taking those dance classes that you never took or the bicycle ride, you bicycling tour you never did or learning to write the book you wanted to write. And as, you, as a child is getting in touch, so can a parent. And I, have, I just feel that it's never too late to become who we really are and that all we need to do is take this step along with our child and to appreciate ourselves because it takes our confidence in ourselves and believing in ourselves and finding our own mentors and own, own support people. Oftentimes when we're homeschooling, our focus is on making sure that our child has everything they need. It's really important for the parents, especially the moms, to make sure that they're being supported and nurtured as well so that one, they have the strength to help their child, but two, that they're becoming developing their own interests and loves and talents. So, and even what a nice opportunity to communicate with our children and say, you know, I've been so busy and just concentrating on earning money and raising the house and keeping the house clean. You know, I never before thought that I, you know, about what my dream might be in my purchase in life. I really want you to pursue that. So I'm going to do it with you, you know, and then making sure we spend that time to do the journaling and have the white space in our own life and the chance to you know, to read things and see things and talk with people. Exactly, and using and finding what what I used to like to do is set up a family time with my children where we could talk about these things, and we ha- we called it "Let's Talk About It," 
and we would just sit down and we had our let's talk about it time. And it was very, very, it was a time when everyone knew it was safe to talk about whatever it was, it is that they were working on. But we could talk about our interests and my children became some of my best supporters. They, they helped me really to develop my commitment to, um, homeschooling, to start Laurel Springs School, to continue dancing, to continue in my dancing lessons, to, to, um, to lecture, to help write books. They became my support team and I became their support team. And we understood that we were there to help each other. And so that what happened was is we never developed a, pol- a polarized relationship. We had a relationship that was built on trust or is built on trust and supporting each other's goals. And growing together. And exactly. And that we don't have to know everything. You know, you talk about um, goals. I know for myself, I have a list of, I call it my before I die goals. Yes. You know, I do. I have like a hundred things on there. Okay, I want to see this. I want to write this. I want to do this. I want to learn this. And then I just make sure that every year I'm working or all the time I'm working on something from that list. And several years ago, my big goal was to run a marathon. And I started, yeah, it was really, it was a huge confidence builder. I can't tell you. In fact, it was because of that marathon that I had the confidence to start homeschool.com. And I I remember I started in January, and I started with one mile on the weekend. And the next weekend, I would add another mile, so I was up to two. And I remember when I was running three, I thought, oh, my gosh, I never thought I could run three. And, of course, with the marathon, it's you know over 26 miles. And it was a wow. couple months off from the marathon, and I was behind schedule. And I, you know, you get into fear. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to do it. And I was supposed to do a 17 mile run that day, and I felt defeated. I told the kids, I go, no, I just can't do it. And then it wasn't just my children, but their, the neighborhood friends too. Said, no, you can do it. We'll help you. And so they came out with me, and they took shifts, either running with me or riding the bike with me, and carrying my energy <laughs> bars and giving me water. And it was such a terrific experience for everyone. Oh, that's such an amazing example. That's such a great example. And that, that is, that's such, that is following your life purpose. And, I, and it happened a couple of years ago, too. Time Warner had come and said, would you write this homeschooling book for us? Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, I don't have my knee-jerk reaction. I don't have time for this. You know, unfortunately, my best friend says, are you kidding? That's one of your before-I-die goals. Mm-hmm. You know, of course you're going to make the time for this. But I had this fear that I would become a bad mother or... You know, our family life would suffer if I wrote this book. I, we had, it was 16 weeks to write uh, 12 chapters. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up being totally fabulous because I, at, I would write one chapter a week, and at the end of that week, I would celebrate with the kids. Mm. Yeah, so the goal was if I have it all done by Friday, like we would go to Monterey, you know, the whole group of kids. So they'd be coming saying, no, no, get up there. How you doing? Are you going to be done in time? Are we going to Monterey on Saturday? Or are we going out to dinner? So they really became... Um, a part of the goal, and now of course they all want to write books. And it's and that's such a great example of modeling. And and I think it's so true that our children want us to be successful. They want to support our success. It's very reassuring for a child to see their parent growing and expanding. And that's such a beautiful example of how our family is our support team. So and we're we so afraid, though, that pursuing our dream though means that we're being selfish. Oh yes, no. I, you know, I just keep thinking when 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 it comes time to leave this earth, I want to make sure that I feel that I've done my very best. And I always tell that to my children. You know, I want you to feel that you've been able to make the contribution that you were brought here to make, because it's so important to have that sense of fulfillment. Why why don't we open up the call, Marilyn? 
and just kind of chat back and forth. And before we close today, though, I would love to hear, um, not, not gossipy, but I would love to hear some of your famous students and, of course, who are succeeding and if you've noticed any patterns that they have that we can learn from. In fact, why don't we talk about that first before we open up the call, if you don't mind. Oh, I'd be happy to. Um, let's see. We we do have a lot of students who work with us who are very, very talented. And I remember you mentioning that the um, young actor who played Frodo in Lord of the Rings, that not only was he an excellent uh, actor, but a really well-rounded, nice guy. Yes, he is. I, he's, he has to be, he is truly one of the loveliest, most beautiful people I've ever met, and it was truly an honor and gift to work with him, not because he was an actor, but because he had one of the most beautiful hearts that I have ever experienced in my life. And, um, and that comes through in his acting. One of the things that I was, would say is like we work with, um, we have two of the young girls who won gold at the um, figure, National Figure Skating Championships. And what I've noticed about these children is, one, they're very self-directed. Um, they're not doing this because they're being forced to do it. They're doing it because it's their dream. They're incredibly disciplined. Um, amazing, I mean, the amount of hours and t- energy they spend practicing and working. And they have a sense of themselves as a role model for other children. I've been really impressed with um, Tannis Belbin. She's our national ice dancing champion, and she has such a, she has had such a strong sense of her importance to, as a role model to children and the contribution she needs to make, and how very well well focused she is on not only um, her ice skating but on the importance of learning. And and I've seen that with a lot of the um, elite sports athletes is they have a tremendous um, sense of their own um, their own self-purpose, and then we're here to support that and make sure that they can do what they're here to do. Um, we have a number of gymnasts who are in the same category, and it's just incredible. No one can do the kind of heavy... Um, heavy lifting and heavy practice they did unless they were absolutely personally dedicated. A parent couldn't force a child to, to do that. So the children you know, have a dream and the parents support them. Do you notice, um, do the children, do they break it down into goals? Do they use goal setting? They do. I mean, an elite, a child who's involved in, in becoming an elite athlete or an actor um, is usually usually fairly very very organized. They know exactly what they want to accomplish, and they know how they're going to what they need to do to get there. And do they use visualization techniques? You, I know that they have a tremendous sense of self confidence, and that they are really really clear that this is what they want to be doing, and that at any point in time, if they don't if they don't enjoy doing it. The ones that have done the best have had parents who have let them know that if they don't enjoy it, they no longer have to do it. And yes, they do use self-visual, they use visualization, they use power of appreciation, and they have... For themselves and for others. For themselves and for others. And they have a tremendous sense of ethics, which is that they are here to make a contribution and that they want to do their very, very best. Which, of course, takes the pressure off, too. I remember when I had my first radio interview years ago, um, it was my friend who was the um, the talent for the show, and I was really nervous, and she said, you know, Beck, it's not about you. It's about the listeners. How can you help them? How can you convey information to them? And, it, boy, it just set me free, and I, I remind myself of that all the time, and even my children. 
You remember, it's not really about you, whether you're good or bad. It's, you know, it's you using your gifts to kind of connect with and help other people. I think that that's so well said. I mean, there's something about giving a gift to another person, and and, it, and they can be big gifts or little gifts, depending on wh- what you're working on, but they really, like, light up your life and make a huge difference. I remember when um, Kenneth Belbin was dancing, um, was skating for the competition. She wrote us and told us that she was going to skate for us. And I'm sure that um, she was skating for lots of people, but it was a tremendous gift to know that this child felt a sense of appreciation and an ability to give in such a big way. Now, I know at Laurel Springs School, you know, one of your strengths, I thought, is uh, the personal approach you use. I I guess we should tell our our callers a little bit about Laurel Springs. You were the first online curriculum. You're an umbrella school. So people anywhere in the United States or around the world can sign up with Laurel Springs and do their K-12 homeschooling with you. And I know that you have... For example, your learning styles inventory is um, uh, used by uh, Mariama Willis, who we interviewed earlier this week. I think her learning styles inventory is the, the best in the country. And I not only do they take the, the inventory, which identifies their uh, whether they're auditory or um, visual, but also what their interests are, where they do their studying the best, what subjects they like the best. And then you have uh, counselors who work with the parents to understand that inventory. And so, I mean, it's a very, very personal approach, isn't it? It is, and it really, I think it really takes into consideration that each child has a life purpose because we, I like to believe that every child's curriculum needs to be personalized for that child. And so every single student um, takes the learning style profile before they begin their classes, and then we customize their needs based on their learning style. So they have choices of over 400 different curricular options, and in addition, they receive credit for life learning. So students who are actors or dancers or if they're working at their church or they're on a a mission or they're traveling receive credit for their life so that life and learning are one and the same. And so we sort of have that circular approach, which is that first we look at the whole that whole child, their interests, their talents, their ability, and then we decide which curriculum is going to work for them. I like what Joseph Shilton Pierce, who is a wonderful educator, said. You want to make sure that the, the child, that the curriculum matches the child rather than the child matching the curriculum. Well, I absolutely believe that. And then we make sure that they have loving teachers who work with them because, as, as we all know, working with children at home, relationship is at the heart of education. And it's the only way to really make learning a really powerful experience is to make sure that every teacher you have is your favorite teacher and your best teacher. I know that you also have pen pal programs for the students and you have a prom and a graduation ceremony ceremony that people fly into to participate in. We do, we do. And I have to say it's probably the most emotional graduation that anyone ever has. There isn't a dry eye in the audience because every child is acknowledged by their teacher and every child acknowledges their parent when they graduate. And so we make sure to keep that personal purpose-filled approach throughout the whole model of everything we do. Our, our staff, everyone needs to believe in the vision of the, fa- of the fact that every child is unique and special and deserves an education that really is going to move them ahead in their life. I like to feel that we, when children leave Laurel Springs, they have grown and they're much better for who they are. Um, I don't want it to ever be a model where we're just getting by. We just made it through. 
which is sometimes the case in other institutions. And that's um, L-A-U-R-E-L-S-P-R-I-N-G-S dot com, laurelsprings dot com. That's true. And we were the first, we really did develop the first online education program in the United States. It was 1994. There were earthquakes in um, Los Angeles and all of the libraries were shut. And we had a little girl come to us and say, I need to do a report on Romania. And um, we did a search on the web and came up with 50,000 files. And um, my late husband and I looked at each other and said, there's something really exciting here. I wonder what we can do. And we began to develop online curriculum options before it had even become um, anything that people knew about. Well, that's, that's wonderful. Well, we've been speaking with Marilyn Mosley with laurelsprings.com. Let's open up the call, Marilyn, and kind of maybe just chat back and forth and share some ideas about helping our children and ourselves discover our life purpose, just making sure that we're really uh, enjoying life, using our talents to the fullest, and appreciating ourselves and others. That sounds great. First, uh, hello there, callers. If you'd like, go ahead and come out, press star six to come out of mute mode. I know that there are a lot of people on the call, but I would love for you to have this opportunity to connect with Marilyn. I can hear the call coming down. Go ahead, first question. How do we participate in your program? We just go online and then enroll or? Hey. Hi. Um, what we would like you to do is, is, um, go to our website at laurelsprings.com and read about Laurel Springs. And then what we would like to do is set up a time for you to speak with an enrollment advisor. We like to make sure that every single child has a chance or a parent has a chance to speak one-on-one with one of our counselors so that we make sure that we're working directly with you to create a program that fits your child's needs. To make sure it's a good fit. Absolutely. So they just go to laurelsprings.com. Is there a contact us button or something there? There is. There is. And I can also give you our 800 number. Oh, would you please? Sure. It's one 800 377 5890. Say that one more time, Marilyn. Sure. 1-800-377-5890. And we work really, really well with children of, of all ilk, whether they have interests or talents they're pursuing, if it's a child who's been challenged at school. I love working with children who've, who are burned out with school and need some extra support because we feel that every child just needs the right program. If your child is an honors student and needs to be challenged, if your child is extremely artistic and needs a program that has an opportunity to incorporate the arts or inventiveness, we take the learning styles and we weave them into the curriculum. Do you help us assess our children? We do, yes. We do both a learning style assessment and a pre-assessment process as well. Instead of calling it only assessment, we call it a skill survey because what we want to do is help you to ascertain your child's skills. And then when we can decide what skills are they really strong in and the ones they need help with, then we work with you to work on all of their skills. So again, it's a very collaborative process. You are part of the learning team. We're part of your team. And we help to ascertain your child's skills right from the beginning. 
We don't like to call it a test, but we like to call it as an assessment or a survey. Perfect. Thank you. Any other uh, questions or comments before we let Marilyn go? Of course, it's been two weeks now, four hours a day. I, I hate to sign off. This Hello? Is our 30-second interview. Yes, caller, go ahead. Um, is there an age that you would start at, or would it be any age? Um, start, what are you t In terms of starting, what are you thinking of starting at homeschooling? Um, no. Um, in regards to your assessment, like how young can you start to have the child understand what his own skills are? Oh, you can start. I found that you can actually begin dialoguing with children when they're in kindergarten and first grade. Oh, okay. And work with them on it. And then by the time they're in third grade, they're really capable of making decisions and working with you side by side so that they're able to actually help you with the process. We had a little boy. He was having a problem in public school. It really was a very easy problem. He just had a teacher who was very, very, very structured. This child was very creative. They were having a hard time together. We, we let the little boy do his learning style profile. And once he understood that his teacher was a producer and that he was an artist, he understood what he needed to do. And it was very cute because his mom wanted him to spend the rest of the month in his class because he had received student of the month. And he said, you know, Mom, now that I understand what's going on, I think I should, I should get out now while I'm still looking really good. <laughs> Children understand. And if you and if given the chance, they will make sure that they, you know, they want to succeed and all they want are the tools to do them. So it's around like 10 to 12 that they really start grasping their own self then, would you say? I think earlier. I would yeah. say about, I would say it by eight years old. Oh, okay. You can start communicating earlier than that um, in the younger grades. It can be in, in a very simple form. But by the time they're eight, you can begin talking to your child. And, and it can be a really simple conversation. And mostly what it is is affirming what they, when they express an interest, you affirm and express your, your appreciation. And then we can help you with the assessment portion. Much. What happens if you ha have this gap where at eight, eight years old they've, you know, you guys have talked about things, but then there's been a couple years that life has just gone crazy and you've kind of lost that communication and lost the opportunity to give them, you know, give them, head, uh, give them the opportunity. Yes, I love that question. You know, it, it's so perfect because there's never a ch time when you can't pick it up. I mean, all you do is you start again and you start creating together, dreaming together, working on these pro programs together. It's kind of like baking a cake. And all you have to say is, you know, for a couple years we were really busy. We didn't have time to do this. Well, what I'd like to do now is let's start again. Just as if you were taking a class or if Rebecca's running a marathon, you can come in at any point and segue into the, into a program that allows you to do this. And then what do you say then, Marilyn? Do you say, I know we haven't talked about this in a while, in a while, but I just really want to make sure, you know, um, you know, what are your thoughts are? What are your dreams nowadays? What are your goals? You know, yeah. what do you see yourself doing? And you're just kind of dialoguing back and forth? Yes, you're, and you're honest about it. You can even say, you know, I feel bad. We haven't talked about this for a couple of years, and I wish we had. 
but what I'd like to do is talk about it now. And here's what I'm thinking. And and what would you like to do? And let's start with something. And I suppose, too, if your children in school, too, you can say, boy, I don't want to lose contact with you. You know, let's make sure that we keep talking about these things. Exactly. You know, otherwise, they'll get busy, too, and they'll forget the, the purpose of their education. Ex- yes, that's so well said. There's never a time when you can't communicate honestly and pick it up. Howard Berg, who we interviewed right before your call, you could hear the excitement there. Yes. You know, I loved his advice. Is before you pick up a book, ask yourself, what's the purpose? And he gave us an experiment, and he said, okay, you know, I want you to look around your room and notice everything that's the color green. Okay, now close your eyes. Okay, now where are the green things? And then we, he says, now open your eyes. Now tell me where everything is blue. And, of course, we couldn't remember the blue because he, the purpose, he told us to notice things that were green. Exactly. So I guess you're right. Kind of keep checking in with our kids. How is it going? You know, you know what, is, what is your purpose? And that yeah. way they know what their goal is in being in school or with this studies or with this internship. You know, they can set their intention beforehand about what kind of experience it is that they want to have. And share with them purpose, you know, provide them with models of other people who are living their purpose. There's some wonderful biographies on Biography Channel that have just been so inspiring that are purpose-filled. And when a child sees an individual who is living their purpose, then they are inspired to live their purpose as well. That's to, to know that they can. That they can and that there's an opportunity for them. I always kind of, children learn quickly, too, that there are some people out there who are dream killers. I remember watching the movie Rudy, and Rudy mm. was the boy who wanted to go to Notre Dame. Yeah. And, and he had kind of given up on his dream, and he was feeling frustrated, and then his best friend gave him the Notre Dame jacket. Yeah. I remember we stopped the movie at that point. I said, oh, my gosh, kids, this is so powerful. This is the kind of friends you want to have, and this is the kind of friend you want to be. Someone yes. who's totally supporting you in your dream on those times when you're when you're feeling down. Because sometimes people feel that they need to to tell you why it's not going to work out because they think they're helping you because they don't want you to be disappointed because they've been disappointed. So we don't want to be a dream killer ourselves and then explain to our children to avoid the dream killers. Yes, and just to remember that to hold on to that inner knowing. And then to create a support group for yourself. I mean, how powerful is that? Because sometimes there are down moments and you need help in other areas. Absolutely. A support team of like-minded people is one of the greatest assets that anyone can have. And you can have a support team of all ages. That's the wonderful thing about homeschooling is a support team. You can ask people to be on your team. And those people can be any age. And that's what we love to say at Laurel Springs is you're creating your own team and you invite people onto your team of all ages so that you don't have age segregation and you get the wisdom and the beauty of all these different people who are standing behind you, supporting you to make a difference. And I like the way you said, too, uh, mentors can be you know real people or books that we read about or biographies that we see about. Those people all become our mentors, too, our role models. Yes, it's all part of a modeling process. Well, thank you, callers. Any other questions or comments, or should we let Marilyn go? I Can guess I we have one small question. Yeah, sure. I have an interesting situation. I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. I actually have three daughters: a baby, and then a seven and a five-year-old. Oh wow! All of whom I've been homeschooling for you know since they were born, basically. Um, but actively homeschooling for the last few years. My five-year-old is getting ready to be in kindergarten age, and she um, is 
very, very interested ah. in, in attending kindergarten at the public school. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a, she's very mature for her age and she's not impulsive. She, she'll sit on her bed for 45 minutes to an hour playing with something, just thinking. And she, um, she, she just keeps telling me, Mom, just let me try it. Just let me go oh. for a month. I just, just let me try it, and I'll, I'll tell her now, you know, this is what school is like, and, um, you know, this is what you'll miss out on if you go to school. Um, she's very, very logical, and she said, and she just seems like she wants to try it. Yes. And she's very adamant about it. Yes. And I'm kind of, and, and she's, she's like the daughter my mother always wished on me, you know, yeah. daughter just like me, and so I kind of into her really well she's a very curious child and I'm I you know I believe that it's my decision but I I kind of I don't know I just kind of have this sense that it might be a good thing for her to just go because since it is just a couple of days a week uh-huh. but I'm really torn about it I'm wondering if you have any well uh, I here's how I feel about it is that um I would let her go because First of all, she wants this so badly, and she's able to articulate her desire. Just like a child who needs to come home and homeschool, I think it's worth giving it a try. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's, it's better to get it out of the way when they're young yeah. because kindergarten is a fairly safe, innocuous environment. Better to do it now than to do it in junior high. Most children will get inundated and burned out and will want to come home. And it becomes, um, if you don't let her do it, then it can become like a must-have. It's something she'll always wish she tried. I would do it, I would give her a very small period of time, like a month, like you said, and say, let's try it and then let's discuss it after that month is up. But I was thinking, I was thinking, I know her well enough to know that if I hold her back now, She's going to push me until it's a time when I really don't want her to go. You know, I have to say, I've let my children go to school whenever they wanted to, and and they all came home. Every one of them chose to come home and homeschool, uh, and and none of them were pulled away or enticed by the world and and, and didn't come back. Um, I mean, it's just pretty rigorous out. It's a it's a very very you know challenging environment school in terms of developing yourself as an individual. I think that, you know, a little time in school is, is okay, especially if you can talk with her about it. And it sounds like you're so connected to her. You'll know if she's not doing well. Oh, and the yeah. most important thing is that she do well. Yeah, and she's, you know, she'll, she'll be fine. But I, I just, I wanted your opinion because I'm really, I've been torn about it, but I just recently decided, you know, I, I think I'm going to let her do it because, I want her to feel like she has power and that she has choice. Yeah, and just make it a short period of time and then review it so that you you have some quick outs if it isn't working. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Feel free to call me and tell me how it goes. I will. Your presentation was beautiful. Thank you. Inspiring. Thank you. Well, callers, thank you very much. And I want to thank you, Rebecca. I just think you're doing an amazing, amazing thing for homeschoolers, and I'm really honored to know you. Well, thank you very much, and I and I feel really lucky too that I was I didn't know my path when I was a child, but I guess mm. it's never too late. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> it's never too late. Well, so ends uh, our 32nd interview of Homeschool.com's 2005 Homeschooling How-To Teleconference. 
Marilyn Mosley, thank you very much for being with us this hour. Uh, listeners, we're going to process all of the recording orders uh, next week, so go ahead and place your orders this weekend, and we will try to get them out to you as soon as possible. Uh, as we said, feel free to have your support groups purchase them or share them with families, pass them around. Um, we just really want to get them this excellent information out to as many hounds as we can. So uh, thank you very much for uh, being being with me this last two weeks. I've taken pages and pages of notes, and now I guess I just have to sit down and say, okay, what was the most important information? How am I going to apply it? So thank you, everyone, very much for um, coming along on this adventure. Thank you, Rebecca. And if we can ever be of any help, please feel free to email Rebecca at homeschool.com. Let us know how we're doing, um, what kind of information you need from us, and then we will uh, try to take care of that as soon as possible. Thank you, everyone. Would you please press star six and say goodbye, and thank you to our guest, Marilyn Mosley. Thank you, Marilyn. Thank you, thank you, Rebecca. Thank you. Rebecca, too. Thanks. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, everyone. Sure have enjoyed it.